So we're going to read Psalm 72, which Neil's going to come and preach to us um, on in just a moment. So page 586, Psalm 72 of Solomon. Endow the king with your justice, O God, the royal son with your righteousness. May he judge your people in righteousness, your afflicted ones with justice. May the mountains bring prosperity to the people, the hills the fruit of righteousness. May he defend the afflicted among the people and save the children of the needy. May he crush the oppressor. May he endure as long as the sun, as long as the moon, through all generations. May he be like rain falling on a mown field, like showers watering the earth. In his days, may the righteous flourish and prosperity abound till the moon is no more. May he rule from sea to sea and from river to the ends of the earth. May the desert tribes bow before him and his enemies lick the dust. May the kings of Tarshish and of distant shores bring tribute to him. May the kings of Sheba and Seba present him with gifts. May all kings bow down to him and all nations serve him. For he will deliver the needy who cry out, the afflicted who have no one to help. He will take pity on the weak and the needy and save the needy from death. He will rescue them from oppression and violence. For precious is their blood in his sight. Long may he live. May gold from Sheba be given to him. May people ever pray for him and bless him all day long. May corn abound throughout the land. On the tops of the hills may it sway. May the crops flourish like Lebanon and thrive like the grass of the field. May his name endure forever. May it continue as long as the sun. Then all nations will be blessed through him and they will call him blessed. Praise be to the Lord God, the God of Israel, who alone does marvellous deeds. Praise be to his glorious name forever. May the whole earth be filled with his glory. Amen and amen. This concludes the prayers of David, son of Jesse. And Neil's going to come and speak to us on that now. Well, it's great to see you this morning. I grabbed a Bible on the way through, but Peter's conveniently left it here open, which is good of him, because uh, I don't know it by heart. So uh, and if you, unless you do, you're going to need it open in front of you as well. So turn to page 586, and we'll be thinking about the last of our summer psalms uh, today, Psalm 72. And do we know this king, the king that's described in this psalm? Let me ask you, as the headlines came out this summer, and it became clear that the five biggest energy companies had made record profits, how did you feel? When you found out that the five biggest energy companies had made more than $60 billion, not so far this year, but in the past three months, how did you feel? And if that's news to you, how do you feel now? You know, I feel cross. Partly because of the damage does to the planet, but also because we know the story that follows next, don't we? 
that in October, our energy bills are going to go through the roof. And that money doesn't grow on a tree. It comes from people like you and me who live all over this world, some of us who are going to be ill-equipped to pay our bills from October onwards, and then again in January when the prices rise again. The average energy bill, you probably know, is going to be about £300 a month in this country from next month onwards. That's on average. And the best economists in our country say somewhere between 25% and 42% of us simply will not be able to pay our bills. The rent and the mortgage and energy and everything that we have to pay, we simply won't be able to do. How would you feel if you were a company executive? sitting and taking money off millions of people around the world living in luxury, while there'll be people in our country, the sixth richest country on earth, who are cold and hungry this winter. It can't be right, can it? If you can sit there and think that's okay, then I think somehow you've not understood the extent of this problem. If you've been following the campaign for our next Prime Minister, which comes to a conclusion tomorrow, and then Boris will be all gone, and either Liz Truss probably or Rishi Sunak, if everything's gone very different to how people expect, will be our next Prime Minister. The question they keep being asked is, what are you going to do about the cost of living crisis? You heard that question? What are you going to do? And Rishi Sunak basically says, there isn't much we can do. And Liz Truss says, I'll promise you the earth if you vote for me. Uh, but the truth is, here's the thing, it doesn't matter. It actually will make very little difference. Do you know why? This isn't a campaign, by the way, for the Labour Party. It won't make any difference if they get in either. Do you want to know why? Because the price of oil isn't set by any government. Our government isn't in control of how much you pay. That is set at a global level. And so they can help, and let's hope they do, but they can't change the fundamental problem. The way it's set up, the way the global economy works, means that America and China and Russia, not one of them is in control of this, and we are certainly not. In many ways, our politicians are powerless in the face of this. If they could change it, they would. But actually, they can't. Does that scare you? Does that not give you some degree of cause for concern? There is no cap on this energy price. There is no government that can force people to do things differently. And so there's a problem. We have a rising cost of living, which is going to be unaffordable to people in this room. Don't think this is a problem that's elsewhere. It's happening here. There are people here this morning who are thinking, I cannot pay my bills in October. I won't be able to do it in January, and I don't know when I'm going to get back on track. That's happening in our family. And no matter who comes into government this week, they're not going to be able to change it. And if there's a general election, it won't change it either. What we need is someone who's actually in control of the whole world. Someone who can work justice 
for all people. You know, we have a strong sense of injustice, most of us. Maybe you feel this is unjust. I certainly do. But there are other things that happen to us. I don't know if you've been scammed. I've been scammed. And it's one of the most horrible feelings to find yourself working through something and getting to the point where they say, put in your credit card details, and you realize they shouldn't be asking for those. What are they doing with all my personal information? I don't know if you've been in a relationship where you've been cheated on, where you trusted someone, and they were kind and they seemed to be good, and then you find out behind your back they've been seeing someone else, and they've been cheating on you, and that feeling of just feeling utterly sick to your stomach because you've been treated so badly by someone that you trusted. We live in a world where children get abused, usually by people they know, usually by people that they trust. We live in a world where there is endless injustice. How will it be put right? How will it actually become a world where it is safe for all people, where there aren't some who are just incredibly rich and many who are incredibly poor? How will it be that there's a world that is worth living in for everyone? Well, the answer is found in this psalm that was just read to us, that our God has a king, and he's promised that through him, he will put everything right. Let's look at this wonderful psalm together. Do you know this king? This king who's concerned for justice, the king who has all power. The psalm begins, Endow your king with justice, O God, the royal son with your righteousness. May he judge your people in righteousness, your afflicted ones with justice. This king is going to bring about justice. That's his goal. Justice for all of God's people. How will he do it? Well, the psalm says he's the God and the king who have all power. So verses 3 to 7 is he has all power over all of creation. Just look at some of those verses with me. Verse 3, may the mountains bring prosperity to the people, the hills, the fruit of righteousness. It talks in there about the sun and the moon in verse 5. It talks about the fields in verse 6 and verse 16. It talks about the seas in verse 8 and the rivers. And then it says it's going to go all the way to the ends of the earth in verse 8. It talks about the deserts. Wherever you are, wherever you go around this world, whatever kind of terrain you're on. I don't know where you've traveled this summer for your holidays. I went to the beach. Well, Jesus is Lord of the beach. I heard of someone who climbed Snowdon. Well, when you're at the top of a mountain, Jesus is Lord of the mountain. If you went further afield and you went through the deserts, if you crossed the seas, if you went to the furthest places in Australia and New Zealand, Jesus Christ is king over all creation. This king reigns. And verses 3 and verse 7 tell us how he's going to reign. May the mountains bring prosperity to the people. And verse 7, in his days may the righteous flourish and prosperity abound till the moon is no more. The word for prosperity there makes us think of money. But it's a much bigger word. The word that's used there is shalom. May he bring shalom. It means peace, but it means more than an end of war. It means everything being put right, everything being done well, everything being restored to the way it was meant to be. This king has power over all creation. He will put everything right. He will restore all things. But he's also the one who has power over all nations. May he rule from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. May the desert tribes 
bow before him and his enemies lick the dust. May the kings of Tarshish and the distant shores bring tribute to him. May the kings of Sheba and Sheba bring him gifts. May all kings bow down to him and all nations serve him. Will they do that? Will they do that? So it says here, wherever you go and you find people living, whoever their kings may be, all kings will bow down and all nations will serve this one true king. Our politicians, their power ends largely at our borders. Same for America, same for China, same for Russia. They have an influence, but their power is limited. This king has limitless power. There isn't a people on earth that he's not greater than and in charge of. And one day, all kings will bow down to him and all nations will serve him. And lastly, he's for all time. Our politicians come and go, don't they? We're going to watch that this week. Boris is off. Liz Truss will probably be in. But our politicians come and they go. There's no all-time king or queen or prime minister over our land. Even Queen Elizabeth who's been monarch, obviously, for a very long time. The sun will set on her reign, and the reign will begin, almost certainly, of King Charles III. It's how it goes. But not for this king. Did you see that? Verse 5. May he endure as long as the sun, as long as the moon, through all generations. Look at verse 15. May he, long may he live. Long may he live. Verse 17, may his name endure forever. May it continue as long as the sun. Here is a king with an endless reign. He reigns over all creation, every place. He reigns over every people. He reigns for all time. How should we react to such a king? Well, it depends, doesn't it? How would you respond if you were ruled by Vladimir Putin? There's a guy with a lot of power. Nuclear weapons, wealth, influence, can shut off the oil to a continent. You feel safe with that kind of power in his hands? I don't know. I don't. So I guess the question is, isn't just is this king powerful, but is he good? I remembered this week, and I should know these things, but I don't. Do you remember that, that quote about power corrupting? Well, I basically typed it into Google, and I found out it was Lord Acton who said it. Um, and I should have known that, because as a history graduate, I was part of the Acton Society. But anyway, obviously, I didn't pay any attention in my lectures. But here's the actual quote. I didn't know the end of it. Power tends to corrupt. You heard that? And absolute power corrupts absolutely. I knew that. Here's the next bit. Great men are nearly always bad. Great men are nearly always bad. So is this king in Psalm 72, is this good news or bad news? Is this a good king or a bad king? You see, if we don't know someone well and they've got that much power, it might terrify us. Do you remember when the disciples were in the boat with Jesus and a storm came up and the boat was being swamped by the wind and the waves and they nearly drowned? Do you remember that story? And they wake Jesus up, who's asleep on a cushion, and they say, Jesus, don't you care if we drown? And he stands and he talks to the storm. 
and he says, quiet, be still, and the wind drops and the waves become. Do you remember how they reacted? They were absolutely terrified. Why? They didn't know him very well. They didn't know if he was going to be good or bad. That much power in the hands of a madman would be terrifying, wouldn't it? Is Jesus good or is he bad? Is the king in this psalm good or is he bad? What does it tell us? Well, he's the king who's got power over all creation, over all nations for all time, but he's also the king who's going to deal in justice. That's the job he's given up front. That as people pray for this king, endow the king with your justice, O God. He's going to bring about God's justice on earth. How is he going to do it? Well, he's going to help those who are afflicted. May he defend the afflicted among the people and save the children of the needy. May he crush the oppressor. Verses 12 to 14. For he will deliver the needy who cry out, the afflicted who have no one to help. He'll take pity on the weak and the needy and save the needy from death. He will rescue them from oppression and violence, for precious in is their blood in his sight. You know, these people are facing serious injustice. They're afflicted. The children of these people are being afflicted as well. They're caught up in everything that's going on. And he's going to crush the oppressor. The oppressor's not going to win. And he's going to deliver those who are needy and cry out. And there's no one else to help them, but he is going to help. And he's going to take pity on those that are weak and often overlooked, and those that are needy and often disregarded by those that are powerful. He's even going to save the needy from death. He's going to rescue them from those who oppress them, and he's going to deal with violence, even violence that leads to death. He's going to deal with it all. Here's the truth. When this king reigns, no one gets away with it in God's universe. He sees it all. He sees it all. He actually says further on in the Bible in Hebrews this verse, people are destined to die once and after that to face judgment. Justice will be done and justice will be seen to be done, this psalm says. And that's good news for all of us who have ever faced injustice. For all of us who have ever been on the receiving end of something where no one was held to account for what they did for us. The bully who got away with it at school. The unfaithful husband or wife. The criminal who robbed you or hurt you. Whatever the injustice was that wasn't righted, it will be. The most serious of crimes sometimes even go unreported, don't they? My mum is named Vanda. She is named after my great aunt who I never met. She was hung during the war by soldiers. Her crime was she was Polish. No one was brought to account for her death or millions of others who died like she did. But justice is coming. Justice will be served. Justice will be done when this king comes to reign. Is he good? You can't have shalom, can you? You can't have good. You can't have shalom, can you? You can't have the restoration of everything without evil being dealt with decisively. There's no shalom in Ukraine. 
There can't be, can there? While the EU is giving out anti-radiation pills for fear of the power stations being blown up. There can't be shalom. You can't live at peace while that threat hangs over you. It has to be removed. And the amazing thing is when this king reigns, every single threat to peace and prosperity and happiness for all people will be gone. Yes, he's very good. He's very good indeed. And what motivates this? Is he motivated by hatred? Is he motivated by a strong sense of wanting to get his own way? No. He's moved by compassion. Look at verse 4. He's going to defend the afflicted among the people and save the children and the needy. Why? Well, verse, the verses later on tell us. Verse 14 says, He will rescue them from oppression and violence for precious is their blood in his sight. Precious. You know, our politicians, they don't really know us by name, do they? Wonderful as our queen is, it's a slightly unrealistic task, isn't it, to learn the names of 70 million of your subjects, let alone if you go around the Commonwealth and add them in too. It's an impossible task. I am not precious to Boris Johnson, neither am I precious to Queen Elizabeth II, and that's okay, because they're only human. Here's the thing. There's a king who's going to reign over the universe for all time. And you are precious to him. You matter to him. He loves you. He knows you. He sees your life, all the things that grieve you, all the things that bring you joy, and he cares. You're precious to this king. So who is he? That's the question, isn't it? Who is this king? You see, the psalm was written of Solomon or for Solomon, King David's son. And big promises were made about Solomon, that he would come and he would reign, and it would be a glorious time. David had been a king of war. He had had to bring about shalom by fighting the enemies. We know about David and Goliath, that story, but there were many enemies. David was a man of war. He was perpetually at war, defeating enemies, dealing with injustice. When his reign ended, there was peace. And Solomon sat on his throne. And it was a time of amazing prosperity. I think the cutest verse in the whole of the Old Testament is this one. You don't have to agree with me. I just think it's very cute. Uh, it says, The people of Judah and Israel were as numerous as the sand on the seashore. They ate, they drank, they were happy. Cute. They ate, they drank, they were happy. Shalom. Nothing to worry about. The next verse says this. And Solomon ruled over all the kingdoms from the Euphrates River, that's mentioned in this psalm, that is the river, to the land of the Philistines, as far as the border of Egypt, far and wide he reigned. These countries, what did they do? They brought tribute and were Solomon's subjects all the days of his life. Is Solomon the king of this psalm? Well, in part, yeah. Sheba, did you see that mentioned a couple of times? The queen of Sheba came and brought in tribute, said there was no king like him on earth. The country was rich and it was at peace. Did it last? Power corrupts. 
and absolute power corrupts absolutely. What happened to Solomon as he got older? Warning to us all, his heart went bad. By the time he died, he looked more like Pharaoh who had oppressed them in Egypt than he did his father David, who was a man after God's own heart. That's how evil this man had become. So it can't be him. And he died. So who is this king? Well, the whole of the Old Testament goes searching and can't find him. There are some good kings and plenty of bad ones, but there's not one this good. So who is he? Who's the one who's got power over all creation? Who's the one who's got authority over all nations? Who's the one who actually is able to bring about God's justice for all and is moved with compassion for all people for all time? Who is it? It's the one who can talk to the wind and the waves, who can say, quiet, be still. And they have to do as they're told because he's the king. He's the one who dies on a cross because he loves his people and he dies there for every injustice we have ever done and will ever do. But he doesn't stay there. He rises again and he gathers his disciples on a mountaintop and he says, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of where? All nations. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. It's a king who has authority over creation. It's a king who has authority over all nations. It's a king who's going to reign for all time to the very end of the age when sun and moon shall wax and wane no more. It's Jesus. He's the only one who can be this king, the one who's able to rule with all power and with all goodness, with all authority and all love. There's nothing lacking in our king. So do you know this king? Do you know him here with you this morning? Is he your king? You see, if he is, three things are going to happen in our lives. One is this. It's really easy to point the finger at others, isn't it? Do you not find that easy to do? But we become the victim and everyone else is the problem. So it's the oil executives mean I'm going to be poor. It's their fault. And so I blame others for the man that I am. But the truth is, I've brought injustice into God's world by the way I've lived. Even into some very simple things in my own home, the way I treat Susan, the times that I've treated the boys with just a lack of love, makes this world a darker place. I remember one time when Isaac was very small and he was playing in the bath. And he made a mess. I mean, there was more water on the floor than in the bath. He literally did that thing that little children do where you can slide from one end of the bath to the other and back again. I used to do it as a child. I should have been sympathetic and kind. We've all played that game, haven't we, at some point? When you realize just how much fun it is to whoosh, and the water goes whoosh over the side, and you don't care because you're a child. 
Well, Isaac was in the middle of a huge whoosh when he sat up and banged his head on the taps and burst into tears. Guess what I said? That serves you right. You brought some darkness into this world with you. You said things you look back and seriously regret. Have you done things that shame you so much you're glad nobody knows them and those that do you try to avoid? If there's a God who brings justice and judges us all, then there's only one place that's fit for me and that's hell itself. And so one of the ways we show we know this king is we repent. We say sorry to God for the darkness and injustice we have brought into this world. It grieves us. We want to do something about it because we love this God and we want light in this world and not darkness. That's the first thing. Second thing. It makes me truly thankful that I know this king because Jesus Christ died on the cross for me at my worst. For all those times when I've lost my temper, for all those times where I've had thoughts that would shame me, Jesus Christ went to the cross for me. And that fills me with joy and with love because he's able to save even someone like me from death. I see myself there. In verse 13, he'll take pity on the weak and the needy. That's me. And save the needy from death. He alone can save a man like me. And that makes me want to praise him. Do you see that's where this psalm ends? It ends with praise. Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, who alone does marvelous deeds. Praise be to his name forever and ever. May the whole earth be filled with his glory. Amen and amen. And if we know this king, then it's not a chore to praise him or pray to him because we love him and we want to celebrate what he has done for people like us. We repent of the wickedness we bring into this world. We celebrate his goodness and we look forward to that day where there is shalom. If you're in Christ, I will one day see you as you were created to be and you'll see me the same way. There'll be peace and restoration in my life and in my heart when this king comes again. And I'll be part of a new creation where there's no injustice and there's only shalom. I'm going to celebrate that. We're going to celebrate that at the end of this morning's service. We're going to sing about that. Third and final thing. He deals with our past and all that we've done wrong. We have a future that's wonderful that we walk in now. One last thing as we finish. If you know this king, his concerns will be your concerns. Who's he concerned for in this psalm? Rich people normally look after themselves, don't they? just how it is. Powerful people, our government's been described, you remember, as a chumocracy. Boris's friends got jobs. I tell you what, Liz Truss's friends will probably get jobs this week too. It's a chumocracy. They all know each other and they all help each other. That's how it is. Who does this king care about? He's got all power. He's got all of creation at his disposal. He knows all people. Who does he choose to keep his eye on? The needy, the weak, the children, the vulnerable. 
That's who he reigns for. You know, when Jesus comes again, he didn't leave us in any doubt what he's going to judge us on if we claim to be his. Just before he died, he told a story about the sheep and the goats. Let me read you a bit to finish today. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne and the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He'll put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then he'll say to those on his right, come you who are blessed by my Father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I was needed, I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was ill, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him and say, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When do we see you, a stranger, and invite you in, or, or, or close uh, and clothe you? When do we see you ill, or in prison, or go and visit you? It's but like, Lord, we've remembered you. Yeah, if it was you, I'm sure I'd remember your face. I mean, you're Jesus. I've always wanted to meet you. What, when did I ever do that? And the king replies, truly I tell you, Whatever you did for the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. This winter is going to show how real your faith in Jesus is. You're going to have endless opportunity to be selfish or to be generous. To say, if only people had made different choices, they'd be able to pay their bill. If they'd worked as hard as I had, they would be able to pay their bill. If they'd been as smart as I am, they would be able to pay their bill because they would have saved. Can I say something to you here today? Everything you have is by grace, and it's on loan. From the wealthiest you in here today who are extremely wealthy to those of you who are very, very poor, it's grace. And so this winter, there'll be choices for us to hold on to what we have and to keep it for ourselves or to follow the king who has his eye on the poor and the needy, the vulnerable and the weak, who cares about justice. And we won't be looking to government and blaming them. Can we make a pledge? No one goes cold or hungry in this church family. No one. If they do, we will have failed. No one. We have the resources to care for one another. The only question is, do we know this king? And do we share his heart? Let me pray. Father God, it's an amazing psalm because it shows so much of what is wrong with our world and it challenges us to say, do we really know this king? Are our concerns his concerns? Are our ways his ways? Are we going to be 
generous like he is, concerned for those in need. Oh Lord, please give us that heart, give me that heart. Help me to be slow to judge and quick to give. And I pray that this this winter, this will be a family where your love is seen in the most practical of ways. Lord, help us to repent of our selfishness, rejoice in your goodness, and give ourselves to one another for the sake of your glory. Amen.